It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. Today, we're joined by Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider. They have their newsletter, of course, and they have their podcast. We thank you for being with us. As a reminder, the Giants Little Podcast can be found on your favorite podcast platforms on the Giants mobile app and at Giants.com slash podcast. And I encourage you to go check out our new podcast, Draft Season, which I host with Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker. We really go hardcore on the draft, but we're not really a focus on the Giants. We do the whole draft class. Uh, make sure you go check that out. Find it the draft season on your favorite podcast platforms. Chris, how's it going, man? It's good to see you. Good, John. Good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a few months and uh, well, since the season ended. But uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, that's going to change soon in about a month, I guess. Right. God, yeah. it's middle of March. Right? We'll probably have that pre-draft, uh, pre-draft press conference. We'll we'll play the game. Will Joe Shane say a name of a prospect? For the 30 minutes that he talks to us, <laughs> which is always a, a fun game to play. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to focus on free agency here uh, with you, Chris. And we're recording this on Thursday morning. And I, and I specify that because who knows when the next, you know, salary cap move is going to be made. So if you don't mm. mention it, I don't want fans to get upset at us. Right. So I guess I'll start there. What do you think the next move is going to be for the Giants to become not just cap compliant, but clear enough room where maybe Joe Shane can actually bring in a player or two from the outside when free agency hits next week. Yeah. I, I, John, I think it's safe to say that we're going to have to see what happens with Bradbury, right? That's the big one. Uh, James, you know, will they trade him, John? Will they restructure? But something's going to have to be done with James. I don't think there's any question with his cap hit. Um, so that's going to be the big one that's going to free up some space. Um, I think it's fair to say we both know that, you know, Martinez looks like he's going to have to restructure. Uh, Shep is going to restructure. Uh, they're going to have to, you know, and, but Bradbury is the big elephant in the room. What happens with James? Do you, if they get the right offer, do you move him? Right, John? Or is he going to play at that cap? No, I think it's safe to say he's not playing at that number. So he's going to have to come down or whatever they work out. But, Depending on what happens with Bradbury, man, that's where you're going to see what's going to happen next week when free agency started because that's going to free up a lot of room, John. All right, so let's talk about Bradbury then because this this, this is a bit of a of a catch twenty two here because right. who the Giants brought in Chris to be their defensive coordinator, Wink, Wink Martindale. We mm-hmm. all know more than any other position on that defense, you need cornerbacks that are long and can cover outside. Right. James Bradbury is the Giants' longest and best cover cornerback. So, obviously, that, that's the low-hanging fruit just because of the salary number in, in terms of clearing some of that space out. But I think there is a real calculation probably going on right now where if, if we do let him go or, or move him or trade him or whatever, that we're going to have to replace him, and that's going to come with a cost as well. And as you well know, good cover cornerbacks do not come at low cost. They come at high cost. So what do you think the calculation is that's going on right now in this front office when they're making that decision? (laughs) Probably Wink Martin. They'll go, are you guys out of your mind? (laughs) And then then Joe Shane going, Wink, we have to do it. We have to, I don't care. You free up somewhere else. Probably that argument (laughs) going on. But yeah, look, 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 this, like you said, John, this, you know, that's what Wink prefers those, those long, couple guys that that's his defense you know he's so aggressive a lot of man so hey this is the part of the business that's you know this is why joe shane makes the big bucks and all that and you know but hey martindale can't be happy whatever if if they do move on from him 
Me, John, I think they try to work at a number that James is happy with. I don't think they're going to be looking to move on from him. But, but, John, if a situation arises and they get maybe, a, you know, what they're looking for, what they feel, you know, he's valued, um, I think they will because of that cap number. And, and they're going to have to deal with it in the draft, like you said, next week and try to plug in, uh, you know, a few guys. But you know what, John, you know, this is when, you know, if they move on from James, right? Hey, they got the five and a seven next week. This is where like the seven comes in play, you know, with a sort like a kid like Sauce that fits Wink system to a T, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm sure they look at it like, all right, well, we're sitting at five and seven too, you know, so we could maybe fill that need. So it's a tough call, John. I, I wouldn't want to be in Joe Shane's shoes right now. Yeah, and the shame of it, too, is that James Bradbury is such a good guy. He's a good teammate. He's oh, yeah. so well-respected in the locker room. He checks every box. I think he's exactly the type of guy that Joe Shane wants to kind of bring in and, and be the foundation of the roster. So, uh, and, and, Brian, and by the way, he definitely has value around the league. You know, because once, oh, you know, you just look at his base salary, and if that's all you're paying him with his quality of play, like, that's a good player. Teams are going to want him. Um, which is another reason why, you know, a, a thing you kind of have to balance there because this is such a deep draft, Chris, that mm -hmm. if you can get an extra day two pick, I mean, that is a very valuable commodity in a draft that you're going to find good players as deep as the fourth or maybe even fifth round. Oh, yeah, no question about it, John. I mean, look, James, look, did James have the year last year he did two years ago? No, but he wasn't, you know, like I say, he wasn't a tomato out there, John. He still was a solid corner. Good player. He's still a solid corner, and he's going to be – look, you know, like you said earlier, corners don't grow on trees, brother. You know, everybody <laughs> needs them. I don't care what team you are, everybody. And you look at the charges. You, know, you look at some of the teams, John, that, that are going for it, right? Look at the charges, what they just did. They just re-signed Mike Williams. They got Justin on his rookie contract. So they're going for it, John. They need a corner. You look at a team like that and say, okay, you know what? This piece – could be one of the pieces that puts us over the top. You know, we got a, a solid corner in Bradbury. You team him up with Asante Samuel Jr. You say, okay, you know, we're looking good on the back end, and they're going like that. So there's a few teams out there. They're going for it. 49ers, you know, uh, another team, Chris, who need corners. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, I mean, there is it. You, John, right now, you can't look at one team and say, hey, hey, you know what? They're good. They don't need corners. You know, <laughs> you know, no. I mean, yeah. every team in the league needs them. Some teams, obviously, John, need them more than others. And there's some teams that are in that going for it window. Um, and so Bradbury's going, hey, John, I got to ask you, brother. I mean, right now I say, you know, what would be offered for James? I mean, I don't think there's no doubt in my mind you could get a three or four, especially a four easy. I don't think, I think, John, you could also get a three, four. I think if you're talking to a team that's picking at the end of the round, so if you're mm -hmm. talking to a team that's picking between, you know, 25 and 32 or 27 and 32, Chris, I think you might even be able to get a pick at the end of the second round. Like, I don't think that's out of the question. Right. If you're talking a team more, you know, that's picking between picks, you know, five and 15, then you're probably looking at more of a three. I don't think you're going to get a top 45 or top 50 pick for him. Right. I think that's maybe a little bit rich. But I think anywhere from pick 50 to 80, I think that's probably a, a, a good range in terms of, of, of what you could get for him. Because remember, they want, and you mentioned this too, you know, the Giants can also just extend him, right? And try to split that cap hit into later years, which is something, and, and I, guess this is a, I guess this is a good transition. You know, that's something that Joe Shane, you know, he hasn't been 
unequivocal with a lot in the way he's talked to the media about certain things. The one thing that he seems pretty darn certain about is that he has no interest in pushing money down the road. So I don't think we're going to see any post June 1st cuts, you know, guys designated post June 1st to push money. I don't think we're going to see renegotiations where, and, you know, restructures where money's pushed down the road. I feel like Chris, that if he's going to take his pain, he's going to take his pain now. So he has a little bit more flexibility two or three years down the road. Yeah, well, look, John, no GM wants to be structured. They all don't want to do it, but, but they, they all do, do it. it. <laughs> but they all have to look, John. Shane made that known to us, right? When at his initial press, when he was like, Look, I, I'm sorry, he said at the combine, I don't like kicking, you know, this restructure is a last resort, but it's a last resort. He didn't say it's never going to happen, right? They all, John, we all know that. Well, every GM hates the restructure. All you're doing is just pushing down the road, right? We all know that, but it does have to happen at times. And right now, Bradbury's in that category, John, you know. So even though Joe doesn't want to do that and nobody really wants the restructure, that's something if he's going to be here, John, it's going to have to happen. Or they come in, John, and somebody gives him that three. Or even like you said, even that two possibility. John, right now, I ask you, my man, if somebody's offers Joe, Shane, a two, lower round, you know, lower round two, how do you not take it? I, I think if you're getting a pick between 55 and 70, I you think got, that's hard to say no to. It's, it's absolutely hard to say no, John. Uh, you know, because they have only because, John, because of their cap situation. Look, if yeah. they were 30 million over right now, right? I'm sorry, John. If they were 30 million under right now, this isn't even a court. We're not even having this discussion. Not even a conversation. Right? No. It's not even a conversation. James is locked in with, with a Dory, and we're ready to roll in 2022. But it's a conversation because of where they're at, uh, you know, and we're going to find out in the next, probably in the next few days, John, where, you know, what they're thinking. And then you mentioned it before. I think it's interesting with Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez, because like Bradbury, you know, to me, Chris, those are two guys that are great guys, right? Um, yeah. They're guys that are leaders. The organization loves Sterling Shepard. And why wouldn't she? He's, he's a great guy. He plays hard. You know, he's fought some injuries, but you know, there's nothing about the way he goes about his business that, that nobody would dislike. And, you know, Blake Martinez is just still a really good football player. And he's somebody that suffered much like Sterling suffered a serious injury last year. So I think those guys now, you know, I don't think that's a tough decision, you know, for the team necessarily. I think that's something the players have to figure out and sit down and say, well, look, if we do it the free agent market, how much money can we get given the fact we're coming off injury? So does it make sense for me to stay here if my number comes down? That's something the players are pretty much going to have to decide for themselves, I think. Yeah, look, that's their call. Um, but I could tell you this, John. When Blake went down last year. Oh, it changed everything. John, I, I remember grabbing Judge on his side about a couple of weeks after the injury. And I said to him, Coach, you know, Blake, big hit. you know, And he was like, he looked at me, John. He was like, Chris. You don't realize what a big hit this guy was when he went down, how, how it affected us. So, and Blake loves it here, John. Blake yeah. likes it here. you know. Um, but this is the business side of it. Players realize that. But it's also, like you said, it's their choice. It's their option, whether or not they want to do it. They also realize if they don't do it, what could happen too, right? This is the, this is the tough part of the business. Like, like a shepherd to me, John, uh, we know Shep. Good locker room, dude. I love Shep. Hard-working guy. I, I remember years ago when he had the concussion issues and there was teammates saying he'd sit, you know, sit the rest of the year, and he came back. You remember that, John? He came yep. back, and he didn't have to. They were a losing team under Sherman, and he still came back. This is the type of character we're dealing with. Now, he's coming off the injury, so to me, John, he's in a no, 
like he, he has to do this because where are you going on the open market? Well, the Broncos too. He has suffered the injury late in the year. It's not yeah. like he's going to be back yeah. in August. You know what I mean? It's right. hard. So he has he's like in a really he has no really choice. He's not going to get any more in the open market because he's got the injury. Who knows when he comes back? You know, I know he's he's saying he's ahead. Of, you know, he's ahead of the progress and maybe the summer. But we're not looking for him probably to September, whatever it might be, John. Right around that area. Yeah. You know, in the fall. So sometime in the fall. When I say, look, yeah. I I know these guys come back with you. Look, you look at Cam Akers now. You say these guys come back with these real. Yeah, it's amazing how quick they come back. <laughs> but not everybody's Cam Akers either. You know what I mean, right. John? You, you you stick to the norm basically where you're talking eight nine months. Whatever. So you're looking at the fall for Shep. You know. So he where's he going? So he's gonna. You know, obviously he's gonna. You know, take the deal, restructure, whatever the numbers might be. You know, so and Martinez is another guy's gonna have to come down a little bit. Um, I think Blake will. You know, he's coming. Another guy coming off a big, big injury, but he likes it here. I think they'll work it out with Blake. You know, but the, look, John, we talked about it. the elephant in the room is obviously Bradbury. What's gonna happen with him? He's the big hit. No, he's the big cap number, and and that's gonna be flexible, not depending on what happens with James. Now, Chris, as you know, <laughs> interacting with fans on Twitter and all that stuff, there is a. Yeah. Sharp divide in the fan base in, in terms of Saquon Barkley heading into the final mm. deal of his contract. Right. How do you how do you view that? Saquon's I don't look, I, I've been saying from day one. If you read between the lines, you don't have to read between the lines. Joe Shane said, I want Jones. I need to get help for Daniel Jones. He wants they feel Joe Shane and Brian Dable feel that this kid's got the short end of the stick because of different coordinators, injuries. Coaches, all Offensive that, right, Yeah, all that. Stuff. And the last thing they want to do, they they made it known. We're not, you know, we have to help this kid, Jones, right? You're not helping Daniel in 2022 by eliminating Saquon Barkley. I don't care what anybody says, okay? So I, I kind of laughed at it. I said, well, it's possible with the Saquon talk. I know it, I know it ran like wildfire on social media. Barkley's going to get traded. I never really thought it was in play, John. Uh, I think now that's all quieted down. They basically made it known that Saquon's going nowhere. John, you know, Saquon is a kid that's going to be now a full year, whatever it is off the injury, he's going to be back 100%. I think he's, you know, you saw flashes of that at the end of last year that he was getting back to normal, right? And now you get him. Now, why would you want to take away one of Daniel Jones's weapons? Okay. Hey, look, folks, you know, John, I say this all the time. I know people are like, oh, they're going to be in a rebound. Look, they want to compete, brother. This team wants to win games. You know what You're I mean? Right. Yeah, well, Joe, look, Joe, we Joe all Shane has gone out of his way to say it's not a rebuild. Like he's not, got, yeah. Multiple times. John, they're looking to compete in this division, which is not the best division of football. No way near it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not saying, hey, they're going to win it. I'm just saying they're looking to compete this team. Barkley's part of that. Okay. Barkley, it's not a $12, $13 million cap hit. It's a $7 million hit. Saquon's going to come back. It finally died down this trade talk. Saquon's going nowhere, John. Okay. Saquon's going nowhere. And by the way, you know, people tell, oh, well, the running back doesn't really matter. It doesn't help the quarterback. Listening to Mike Kafka, listening to Brian Dable, he's going to be used in the receiving game a lot. They're going to figure out ways to use him. And look, we, we saw part of that the last couple of years. You know, they run him on wheel routes and stuff like that. Unfortunately for Jason Garrett, he just wasn't on the field enough for Garrett to really put him in all those yeah. packages. Right? right. But I, I really do think that Kafka and Dable, and if you look at how they use some of their better playmakers in those, in those two places, he's going to be used in a way to make things easier for Daniel Jones and make him a better quarterback and give him, give the team a better look at him, which, you know, to your point, I think, you know, that's what this year, as much as competing is important, you know, Chris, the, the most important thing this year 
right now, I think for the long term, you know, future of this franchise is figuring out if Daniel's your guy. Because if Daniel's your guy, then that answers the big one A question. If Daniel's not your guy, then really all the other stuff you're doing on the periphery doesn't matter a ton until you have the quarterback. So really, that I think. When you view every decision this Giants team is going to make this offseason, I think you have to look at, at it through that lens. Right. Does it help us figure out our quarterback situation? Or doesn't it help us figure out the quarterback situation? Because that, to me, is really the most important thing the Giants will be doing in 2022. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, it, it's not, you know, I, I know you saw on Twitter, John, you read the social media stuff. A lot of people. Yeah, felt, sadly, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it could be a rough crowd, right? So, so, but John, you know, I read a lot of stuff. I remember when Joe got hired. Oh, he just said that he liked Jones because he was trying to get the job. Well, I know for a fact, John, that when he interviewed his first initial interview with John Mara and Steve Tisch, that he liked. He liked Daniel Jones a lot. Okay. Of course, it goes back. And by the way, I I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but this is the same people that said, oh, well, the only reason the Giants hired Dave Gettleman is because he because he liked Eli and would keep Eli around. (laughs) Like that that wasn't true either, by the way. They literally said to Dave Gettleman, do your valuation and make your decision. So all these people think there are conspiracies and it just drives me nuts. I know, John. I got to be honest with you. So many times I read stuff, I just laugh because (laughs) somebody in the building told me maybe 10 minutes before that a very reliable person might have told me, hey, Chris, this is exactly what happened. I can say, you know what I mean? So you laugh a lot of stuff, especially with the conspiracy theories with Shane, who he didn't really like Jones, but he wanted the job so bad. So he said, oh, yeah, I love Daniel, John. You know, you know, no, they, they believe in this kid, John. They believe in Daniel. You know, okay. now whether it works out. Time will tell, but they believe in Daniel. And I don't think Shane wants to take away one of his top weapons. They're going to use Saquon. Hey, look, you know what? You know what, John? Look at Daniel's number when Saquon played. It's good. How was his numbers, John? They're good. Much better than when he didn't play, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I understand the running back position, you know, and all that. You know, people don't value his highs. But I tell you what, a kid like Saquon Barkley opens up a lot for what Brian Dable wants to do, okay? So... He's going to be here, John, um, and he's going to help. Dan, you know, hopefully, hopefully Saquon. You know, he's has. We, we all know he's had the injury issues the last few years. Hopefully, he's a hundred percent, which he will be, and hopefully, he stays injury free. You know, I mean, look, I mean, that last year in the Cowboy game, that was just a freak thing. You know what I mean, John? When he I mean, got injured, I've, I've I've watched football for thirty years, Chris. Right. I've never seen that before. <laughs> you know what's weird, John? You see it sometimes during games, but usually the guy walks off. He's fine. Right, I see it in I see it in the NBA every week. Uh, yeah. I don't see it in football, dude. <laughs> it's unbe- it's unbelievable that if a guy does roll up an ankle a little bit, he's fine. You know, and and that was just incredible. It's just a fluke thing. It really was, like you said. You know, in the NFL, you don't see that much, but you know that's what happened. And hopefully, Saquon, you know, has that seventeen game season where he's healthy. And uh, and to me, you know, obviously this offensive line, what we're all hoping is going to be improved. And I think Saquon's going to have a real big year, John. I mean, I could be wrong, buddy, but I think he's going to have a real big year. He's going to really help Daniel. Well, look, he's he's got to stay healthy, right? I mean, that, that yeah, that's we know the that. bottom line. And, and Daniel has to stay healthy. You know, we talk yeah. about the evaluation of Daniel Jones and we're there. We, we might as well hit it. I mean, how well he plays, Chris, to me, mm-hmm. is almost sub-important to how many games he plays. I mean, if he goes out there and plays well, but only plays 10 games because of a couple injuries. No good. I mean, what do you do with that? If a quarterback's only going to play 10 to 13 games a year, can you commit to them, especially to the money you're going to have to commit to them? I mean, I feel bad. You know, Daniel works his butt off. He doesn't want to miss games. He he tries, but, you know, availability is 95% of the game here. Yeah, no, no, 
unfortunately for him, John, if he gets injured again this year, especially running, you know what I mean? Especially or whatever it might be, you know, if he gets injured again, John, um, I believe they will move on because you just can't have a franchise guy that's playing 10, 12, you know, 13, you know, you, you need him out there, brother. You need him out there. So obviously it's a big year for him. Hey, you know what, John, it kind of leads me into something. I like, to, I, I'd like to get your, yeah, you know, your, you know, what do you got? Your thoughts, you know, back a quarterback, you know, we're going into free agency yeah. starting Monday. Listen, we all know it's Monday, even though it's officially Wednesday, but it's Monday. All right. Free agency. Um, uh, backup quarterback position, you know, this has been thrown around. Of course, I obviously, you know, Mitchell Trubisky's name's been thrown around, but we'll see what happens. Of course, every ex-Bill and every ex-Raven now that hits the market right away, he's going to the Giants. I mean, he's Chiefs so- too. Chiefs too, Chris. Chiefs also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so as soon as Feliciano was cut, oh, he's going to be a Giant. Taven Young was cut. Oh, he's going to be a Martindale guy. You know, so we don't know what's going to happen with that. But, John, curious on your take, backup quarterback position, Needed, you know, obviously Davis Webb is not going to be penciled in to be Daniel's backup. It's going to be a veteran brought in here, I'm, I'm sure, after, especially after what the disaster that happened last year with Glennon. What's your take, John? Did, did they bring in a veteran guy Monday next week in free agency? My personal opinion, I'm in the, and, mm-hmm. and I'm in the minority here because Catino, mm-hmm. Meadow, Fiegels, they are all totally on board for getting a really good backup quarterback. And okay. it's super important. You have to do it for me. I think the value of a good backup quarterback comes with teams that are on the verge or already competing, right? right. Where they're in, they're going for a Super Bowl. So if Patrick Mahomes has to, you know, gets rolled up on and he has to miss a month with a, you know, sprained MCL or whatever, right. you know, you, you can stay afloat and go two and two, right? If the Giants lose Daniel Jones for a month and a half, you know, odds are. That's, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to stay afloat because the roster around the quarterback is not as strong as maybe some of these other teams because of where the Giants are on their roster building process, right? So for me, I think the value of a really good backup comes when you're a better team. And I would rather use the resources because if you're going to get like the really good backup quarterback, like I'm talking real legit compete for a starting spot, you're looking at probably eight to $10 million investment, right? Seven to $10 million investment. Given where the Giants are, that's a huge investment. I would rather use that money to build in front of Daniel to give him the best chance to succeed than having a backup plan, which in the end is just going to be a backup plan, right? Whoever you bring in to compete, if Daniel loses out to this guy, for example, in camp, if there's a competition or if Daniel gets hurt, they don't bring him back. Whoever this backup quarterback is, quote unquote, veteran or not, young veteran, whoever you decide to bring in, it's not like they're the future, right? So while you're trying to compete this year, I have a larger eye on two or three years down the road than I have on this year. So I don't personally prioritize that as much as others. I totally understand the argument. I understand Mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, if Daniel goes down, you don't want to have what you had the last six games last year, which is some of the toughest football that any of us have had to watch in our whole lives. It was rough. I get it. I don't want to have to watch that either. But the question is, are those resources better used for a guy that's only going to play if Daniel's hurt or if he competes with Daniel and beats him out, if they go that direction, right? Which I don't know if they're going to, he's not going to be your future quarterback. Anyway, I would rather use those resources on a good offensive lineman to help Daniel than on a plan B. That's not going to be your future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So what you basically say is that don't bring a Trubisky in here because that guy actually is going to compete. That's what you're saying. You don't want to give that seven, $8 million range because that's what Trubisky might be getting. 
right? I exactly. Guess that's I just, I just think that, that money could be yeah. better utilized elsewhere. Look, if they do it, I right. get it. I understand the argument. It's a sound argument, but that's the way I look at it. I would rather put that money in, in into a different yeah. into, into a different thing. But again, to your point, I think Joe Shane and the coaches, the coaches are always interested in this year, right? They're probably more in the help us win this year category than I am just from a philosophical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I understand wanting to have that quarterback here to a compete with Daniel. If you want to go that route and be able to play and play well, if Daniel Jones gets hurt, I get that. So question for you, John, if look, I agree, you? I you agree with you, that? John, I agree with you. I don't think there's no way you bring in a backup a seven, $8 million range. No, no way. Now, do you feel though, like say, Joe does bring in a Trubisky. Do you feel that's a competition type move? Well, okay, you know what? Daniel's our number one guy going into camp, but he's going to compete a little bit with Trubisky and let the best man win. Do you feel if that move is made, which, you know, Trubisky's going to be money, like you said, mm-hmm. do you feel that's a type of competition type move if they do bring in a guy like Mitchell? Given his history with Dable and given how much you'd have to pay him, I think it has to be a competition, doesn't it? That's the way I feel. I mean, I think right? it has to be. Now, whether they right. go that route, I don't know. Who knows? Mitchell Trubisky could get like $12 million from the Seahawks for all we know. Like, we, we, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with yeah. that. He's so, looking to compete. He's looking yeah. to be – he feels he, he's still a starter this league. Correct. Right. I, that's the thing. I don't think he would come to the Giants if they told him, you're just going to be a backup. Because there's enough open jobs now, Chris. You know, three or four years ago, the league was inundated with quarterbacks, right? There were more quarterbacks that could play. But now with all the retirements from Brady to Breeze to Roethlisberger to Eli, now all of a sudden there are more open spots. So I think guys like Mariota, guys like Trubisky, they're going to be looking for opportunities to start. So if guys of that level come to the Giants, I feel like they would have been told ahead of time that you're going to have a chance to compete here, right? So that's kind of how... I think you have to look at it for both sides. It's not just the team making the decision. It's the player making the decision too. So why would the player come here if he's not told he has a chance to compete for the starting job? John, you hit it right on the head. And I led you into that because I was trying to get your feeling and you're the first guy that I've had a conversation with that actually said, hey, wait a minute. What makes you think Trubisky is going to want to come here when he's looking to compete maybe for a starting spot? Uh And dude, you hit it right on the head. Like, I know... I know people are getting crazy because he was a bill that they automatically assume he's going to come here with Shane Dable. But, hey, there's three or four spots here Trubisky could be looking at. I know for a fact he still feels he's a starter in this league, okay? And it could be three or four teams where he sa- he comes over there and says, hey, you know what? I could compete here and be a starter on September 9th or whatever the hell open the day is. You know what I mean? Ca- Carolina, Washington. Exactly. Uh, not Washington. Carolina. Man, not anymore. Uh, not Washington anymore. Indianapolis. <laughs> Seattle. I mean, there are a bunch of teams that are just looking for quarterbacks right now. I mean, the Saints, right? The Saints are a good spot. You don't think people are lining up to go play quarterback for the Saints? Of course oh, they are. So, I, of course, it's crazy. Especially with Michael Thomas coming back. Are you kidding me? I, you know, you're, so, John, that's 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 the point I was going to lead into. And you actually opened the door for me already. He was like, hey, don't be don't be so everybody's like, oh, Trubis- hey, Trubisky might be like, I, I don't want, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to New York. You know what I mean? I'm going to compete here. Jones is their guy and all that. And, and like you said, what are they going to tell Trubisky? Well, you're competing for the starter spot? Probably not. They're not going to They're just, don't. No, he's the backup right now. Then whatever happens, happens. So, John, to get back to the quarterback, though. So, we're not going to go in that $7, 8000000 million range, all that. But there's a few guys that, veterans, that 
obviously, if Daniel gets hurt, you don't want that high school type offense that we saw last year. You got you need a guy to come in and run an, a professional offense. And who you're looking at because they're still going to have to bring in somebody, John, for that backup. Or or do you feel <laughs> they draft a kid in the middle rounds? Right. What do you? What's your feeling on it as far? Look, there is Trevor Simeons and his old friend Colt McCoy's, and there's a few guys out there that are veterans that are not going to be competing for the starting spot. What do you feel? Where do you feel they go with this? I, I think you get more into that category, to be honest with you. And right. and frankly, Chris, I don't think Daniel's a guy that like needs to be pushed. Like he's not a guy that's comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't see that. He's a guy that I think is self-motivating. I don't think he needs a push. That's not the type of guy that he is. So, and I think the other thing too, and I think this goes back to the Barkley conversation too. I think in some ways fans need to let go of their priors a little bit, right? You know, there's a group of fans that never liked the Saquon pick. They never liked the Daniel pick and they kind of let that shade their vision. And I get that. I under, I understand why you didn't like yes. those picks. And I, I, to I totally get the argument. I understand. I get it. But yep. you have to look at where the team is now and what's best for the organization as to where they sit. That die has been cast. All right. That's done. We can't go in a time machine and change what happened three and four years ago. But you have to figure out what's best for the organization now. And that's how you have to, you know, make these decisions because they're here. You have to figure out what's the best thing to do with them now. It doesn't change or erase what the original decision was with the different front office staff three or four years ago. Hey, John, I agree with 100% as far as, no, Daniel's not a guy that needs to be pushed. You're like you said, he's not a guy you have to bring in here, guy. You know, make sure you, you know, he, he, he pushes him to cop. No, Daniel's not. No, absolutely not. You just want a guy in here, John, that could run an offense, okay? That could run an offense. Be competent. Yes. Look, look. Look, and I'm going to be honest with you, John. When they signed Glennon last year, uh, you know, Glennon had some stuff on his resume and all that. Do we expect him to be that atrocious, dude? No, we didn't. Come on, stop yeah. now. I mean, no, I don't. No, I think all of us expected Glennon to be better. I, I thank agree you, with that. John. Mm -hmm. When when they signed Mike Glennon, I said, okay, he's a guy. He was won some games in his league. You know, he knows how to run an offense and all that. Okay, but then you know when he got in there, it was so bad, like. I, I think everybody was shocked. Like, holy crap. You know, like, well, I mean, you know, Chris, this is the thing, the funny thing. And, and pro football focus, I, I talked to Sam Monson over at, at, right. at the combine, and I've talked to them before about this. And I think they make a really good point. How bad the team looked under mm -hmm. Glennon and Fromm actually makes you feel better about Daniel Jones, right? Because you see exactly well, we how, a lot of stuff. Yep. Yeah, how bad the situation was around the quarterback. Mm -hmm. The fact that Daniel was able to do what he did. Now, again, I'm not saying he's like a top five quarterback or top yeah. 10 quarterback, whatever. But the fact that he was able to at least make the team and give them a chance to win, given what it looked like under Mike Glennon, who, again, like you said, has been a competent backup yeah. over the course of his career. Sure I think tells was. you something yeah. about Jones. And I could tell you this, John. Um, when Jones went down, Freddie Kitchens told somebody, you know, uh, somebody I know that, that passed along to me was that Freddie Kitchen says, you, you know, look, Daniel, he camouflaged a lot of stuff that we had going on in his offense that wasn't good. Yeah. And he I'm made surprised. up for it. So I know people don't want to hear that. Oh, Daniel, we got to get rid of him. You know, there's that, you know, the anti-Daniel sentiment out there too, you know, but look, you saw what happened when Daniel went down, man. It was a oh, catastrophe. Bad. Catastrophe. So, so we'll look at John just as quickly. We'll just uh, to me, you bring in a guy. You know, there's a couple of guys out there that obviously are not going to compete. That maybe could run an offense. I think they're going to go that route, John, just to bring in a veteran that's going to be one. To, you know, the two million dollar range, one and a half million, whatever it might be. They're not going to go in that Trubisky, which he's going to get more money than Andy Dalton's and all that stuff. Don't see that happening, John. But I do see a veteran coming back and uh, coming in here 
And just to be somebody that could run a, a damn NFL offense, John, if Daniel goes down. I agree with you 100%. All right, let's let let let's go to the elephant in the room. I can't believe we haven't really talked about this yet. What the hell are they going to do to fill four starting spots on their offensive line next year? Mm, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. So, let, let you know what? <laughs> you led me into it already because I was going to say, John, we better talk about this line because <laughs> people are like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, so, We've been here for right, half so an hour. We... we haven't mentioned the offensive line oh, yet. Whoops. All right, so, John, <laughs> next week's free agency, obviously they don't have the money for the big-time so I look, I look at it as the second and third wave guys. Okay. The, yeah. the three to second four, mil- the second wave, even, you know, maybe down, but they're the second wave guys, yeah. the three to 4 million a year guy type guys. All right. That's what I'm looking at. No question. Well, I shouldn't say no question because, you know, it's the first go around with Joe Shane, but I feel he brings in one of those guys. Okay. Uh, put him in that guard spot, wherever it is. I think one uh, or two, right? I mean, it could be two. Yeah. Okay. Um, because right now, John and Shane wasn't kidding last week in the comedy says, I really only have like five healthy bodies. Right now. And he wasn't kidding. Oh, no, he wasn't kidding right now, John, as we are talking on March, what is it? Today, ninth, there's one starter that's penciled in one and that's Andrew Thomas. Other than that, they don't know really what they have yet. Okay. So, John, you're going to have to go out and you're going to get that second wave type guy. Look, we'll see what happens with Feliciano. I know right? everybody got him ticketed in blue already because he was a bill and all that. But we don't know what Shane's thinking. We don't even know when they signed him a couple of years ago, John. We don't even know if Shane liked him that much. It was, it's, it was right. Brandon Bean's show. So we'll find out real soon how much Joe Shane liked him back in Buffalo. OK, um, so you look at the second wave type guys, one or two. I agree. Obviously, John, in the draft. Either, you know, either one of the big boys drops back to five, they draft him, or like Shane says, you don't need a bunch of number ones to build an offensive line. You're going to see that in the second round, third round draft picks and all that. So they're going to have to address that, John. That's the that's the big time elephant in the room. What are you going to do with the offensive line? Because right now, man, there's only Andrew Thomas. And after that, we don't know what's going to happen with Shane Lemieux. We don't even know if he's going to be going to play well. We don't know much about Shane Lemieux. We know no. we saw him. Don't get me wrong, John. We saw him a couple of years ago. Then he gets injured last year, but we don't know what they have. Shane Lemieux, you know, we don't know if he's a starter, a quality starter in his league. So Nick Gates, he's coming off a serious injury, John. You don't know if he's going to be ready next year. You have no idea yet, you know, and then you're going to have to fill in those. So I, I expect a second, at least one, John, you think it may be two. I'm, look, it could be two of those second wave type guys brought in here. And obviously the draft is going to address. Well, Chris, I just have a hard time to think that you're going to start three rookies on the offensive line. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? And look, even yeah. if they're good rookies, rookies take a while. Look at Andrew Thomas's rookie year. He turned yeah. out to be a really good player, but yeah. his rookie year was not great. The first, yeah. frankly, eight games of the rookie season were kind of a cluster. I mean, yeah. they did not go well, which is fine. He, that's, he's a rookie. It happens. You know, Jake Matthews, you go to his rookie year in Atlanta. That wasn't really good either. It was, it was you know, Penny Sewell's first half of his rookie year wasn't great. So mm-hmm. it takes time for some of these guys to get going. So that's why I think it might be two, right? You have Thomas. I think the right tackle, depending on how that first round goes, is a right. good chance the right tackle's a rookie. Yep. Just because tackles are so expensive in free agency, I think a mid-level tackle is probably more in that five to seven area. Oh, absolutely. Area, right? absolutely. So I think, I think you're looking at a tackle in free agency. You're looking at, a guard in the middle rounds, and then I mean, it's a tackle in the draft, a guard in the middle rounds, and you have two mm-hmm. veterans come in, and you know, maybe they like Shane Lemieux. We don't know what this front office, yeah, we is don't know yet. Lemieux. Yeah, I have no idea. So maybe he's a guy that can kind of slide in there too, or Billy Price, if they like him, they bring him back. I don't know what they think about him, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I think 
this is going to have to be a multifaceted approach, but you can't just throw a bunch of rookies in there because to our point before, you want to find things out about Daniel Jones, right? If he's a bunch of rookies in front of him that don't know what the hell they're doing in the first five, six games of the season, yeah. that's yeah. going to destroy things before they even have a chance to get started. Yeah, John, look, very few teams have as much luck as the Chiefs did last year when they, when they brought in Creed Humphrey and they brought in Trey Smith and right guard. Those guys right. look like veterans from the get-go, but that doesn't happen, like you said. That's a rarity with, you know, so you don't want, look, you, you could have those two rookies, like you could have, like if one of those big boys drops back, you know, and the Giants grab it, you know, um, one of them, a tackle, and then you go a middle round for the guard thing, and then you got the veteran, you know, you, the two rookies on the line, okay, John, I'll give you that. But like you said, dude, you're playing with fire. Look, look, it's going to be rough with the two rookies. Right. I can't first. do more than that. You can't. Right? Now, if you throw in three, you, look, you're talking about taking eight, eight to ten games to get familiarized with one another and all that communication. is. Just, you don't want to do that, John. You don't want to do that. You want that veteran. You know, so I expect that second wave guy in here, maybe even two second wave guys. Hopefully, John, now with the Jaguars, you know, you look at them franchising Cam Robinson, you're hoping that kind of doesn't guarantee, but you're hoping that pushes people, you know, Neil back and Iquana back and all that stuff. And the Giants land one of them. I wouldn't bet you, on that, Chris. Uh, no, look, <laughs> uh, to me, I, look, I've been saying it on, a, you know, I've been saying it, John, the Jets are a damn wild card here. Uh, so are the Texans. I mean, I think the Texans too. Like, oh, the, I was talking to a guy that, that covers Houston down there, and he right. thinks they might trade Laramie Tunsil. Right. So then, do they so bring if they do tackle? that? Then Who obviously, that, well, if they do that, then obviously we know where they're going in the draft. Right. You know, so um, it's we just don't know. You're just hoping that you know one of those two guys, you know, uh, drops back to five, and there's one of your pieces there, and then you know you got your second wave guy, your veteran there, and then you draft the other guy. Like you said, we don't know what they're thinking with Lemieux. You know, we don't know what we have with Lemieux. Let's face it, John, we don't know what we have with Lemieux. You know, and Nick Gates is a guy we all like. I, I think it's safe to assume you like him too. Uh, but look, we don't know what's going to happen with Nick. He could be out all of next year. Hey, look, you know, it, it, it took Richie Seibert, who had not an right. identical injury, but a similar deal, you know, 15 years ago yeah. now, whatever it was. Well, yeah. He was out of full. Like, it wasn't just the year he got hurt. It was the next season after yeah. that. And then yeah. he came back. So that's that's what I'm expecting. It, it's something Nick. you can't yeah. put a timetable on. You just no. can't. No, I mean, look, I'm just, I'll just be happy for Nick if he comes back, period. Right, right John? Uh, but I'm not penciling in for next year. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, it, I guess it could happen. I'm not going to you know discount it, but. I'm not looking at it and saying, okay, we'll go with Gates. You know what I mean? No, no, absolutely not. So like you said, John, I don't want three. Look, the two rookies is enough. Um, I think that's what you will find, wind up seeing, John, with that second wave signing uh, and then Andrew and all that. So um, that's where I believe Shane is going to be. Uh, you know, obviously, look, Shane, look, Shane has made it known that, hey, we need help on this offensive line. Unlike last year, you know, where we would, you know, they went into the season like, oh, no, offensive line is good. But they, didn't, they didn't address it in the draft and all that. And that turned out to be a mistake, right? So this year, Shane is saying it. We have to address this offensive line. They will, John. Um, just a matter who, rookies-wise, who gets, you know, who's the starting five, uh, starting four besides uh, alongside Andrew next year. Two other questions for you, Chris. Yeah. I think tight ends, one of the undercovered and reported positions here. Look, the Giants right now have pretty much zero guys in their tight end room because we don't zero. know if Caden Smith is healthy. 
Like it's, it's like literally zero. That's that's a problem. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. they're just going to draft somebody and hand them the job, especially if that draft pick is a yeah. third or fourth round pick. So they're going to have to find some type of low cost veteran for agency too. And I got to imagine in, besides the offensive line. And again, we'll see what happens at cornerback. You know, that's got to be one of their top two priorities here to find a veteran tight end that Absolutely. you can bring in and, and just trust to be a professional. Absolutely, John. I mean, you know, it was funny. I was recording a podcast last night with the giant inside, and that was one of the hot topics. Like, hey, they're going to draft one. I, I, they're going to draft a tight end. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, mid round. No problem. No problem. You're going to have to bring in a veteran, okay, uh, for a tight end. And because if, you know, if you think the Chris Mayak signing is, any, <laughs> come on, stop now. I mean, come on. Right now, in my opinion, they have no tight ends on the roster because Caden Smith's knees is not, it's not it's in a good shape. It's, it's a, problem. a problem, John. Yeah. I know, I know, you know, somebody told me it's a problem. We don't know what's going to happen with Caden. You know, his knee is an issue. That guy played last year. He was hurt. That knee was hurting him. And he was on injury report every week. And yep. the guy played every week to show you his toughness. But I love Caden. I hope it works yeah, out. I, I, so do I. I hope he, I hope he gets healthy. I'm kind of hearing that, he, you know, he's going to have some issues with that knee. We don't know where it's going to go with the knee. Okay. So Chris Mayak, I know they, I know they resigned it, but there's no tight ends on this roster right now. Okay. None in my opinion. Uh, because I'm not including Caden because of his injury. Okay. So, hey, that's a position that Joe Shane's going to have to address next week, John. I don't think there's any question. You know, one of those second wave tight ends. Obviously, you know, a couple of them are already off, though. You know, they've already been franchised. But you, there's some veterans out there that can help this team, John. There's no question about it. You know, so there's going to be one. And I don't think, John, I, 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 while we're talking, we you think, uh, to me, they definitely drafted a tight end. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, I, th- I think their second, third round pick and their fourth round pick, I think that's kind of the sweet, sweet spot for a tight right. end. Right. Do you think they would use a second round pick on a tight end? I don't think there's a tight end good enough to pick at the top of the second round. I'm looking three, four, and five. That's what I'm looking at. And I even think at the top of the third round might be a little bit of a push, to be honest with you. I'm not sure you want to go there. I think I don't I don't love the top of the tight end class, Chris, but I think it's pretty deep. So I think you can find like a solid guy that, you know, catch 30, 40 balls for you, block a little bit. You know, one of those guys that just slot in next to better players. Right. You know, Dawson Knox type, maybe someone not quite as athletic as he is, given what his testing was when he came out. But I think that's what you're looking for. I think, you know, they don't have to go find a Travis Kelsey. I think if they can find a player that complements a, a big time weapon of running back and some good weapons at wide receiver, I think they'll be fine. Right. Right. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. You know, you look at this tight end class, like you said, there's no guy that jumps out on you. You know, there's nobody that say, OK, he's going to be a second rounder for sure. Or maybe even high first round. No, no. Uh, but when you get into those rounds three and four, you know, you could get yourself a nice little tight end in this draft. You know, you could get yourself a nice little tight end and, and the Giants need to address that, man. And that that's, you know, everybody, like you said, John, everybody, everybody focuses on offensive line, offensive line, but holy crap, man, this tight end position has to be addressed, right, John? It has to be yeah. addressed, man. Because right now there's nobody, nobody. And Evan I- Ingram... <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I know well, by the way, I, I love Evan. I would love for him to be back. I just don't think it works financially. And we know yes. how the fan base is kind of all over him all the time. Yeah. I, I just don't think it works. I would love to have Evan back. I think he's a really good yeah. player. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't Look, think that's going to happen. John, there's two guys, you know, that I feel are going to. I Look, we, we both know Evan. We both. I love Evan. Great guy. I, I love Evan. Guy. And I felt he wasn't used up. Right, a lot in the past systems. I'm not going to get on Jason Garrett. I'm not going to. Which, by the way, goes back to the offensive line being bad because it's hard to run seam routes when you're chipping every play. 
<laughs> right. True. So I feel Evan will do much better. In those. I think he needs a fresh start, John. Uh, like you said, the fan base is just, you know, he, obviously he's not a fan favorite and he needs to go to another organization for a fresh start. And I think he'll do really well in a, in a, in a system that really fits him, John. I really do. Another guy, John, I, I, I tell you what, man, I want to see, I want to get your feeling on this guy, Lorenzo Carter. I hope they can bring him back, Chris, because I Thank think you. he actually fits fits Wink's system, and I, I think he's got a lot left to give. I hope they can get him back on a, on on a low salary. I do, John. I agree with you, brother. You know, you look at Wink Mondale and you know, his system. He loves those outside guys that could rush, drop back into coverage. Long. You know, he he fits like into his system, oh, beautifully, right, yep. John? Beautifully. And and look, Lorenzo Carter. The last five games was the, probably the best defensive player on the field for the Giants. Yeah, close, close to it, for sure. Right? If not, he was close to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately the- for us, John, I feel what he put on tape is probably going to outprice the Giants, and it's going to be two or three teams that are coming. Could. And they're going to give him a pretty good number, John, and it's going to obviously outprice. Now, it, it's, it's unbelievable, John, because, you know, he really played well for them at the end of last year. And he's a guy that I feel that would really, really excel in this system, man. So we'll see what happens to him. I love to see him back, John. I would love to see him back, but you know, uh, the numbers are going to probably not going to work out for the giants. Yeah, I agree. And look, and, and, and they need help on the edge too. So it's not like that's not a position need for him yeah. too. So I'm with John. Hey, hey, John, I got to ask you, brother. Yeah. Is Thibodeau, is Thibodeau your number one edge guy? What here? Here's what. Okay, good. Uh, I, <laughs> a little, a little hesitation. No, it's, it's, about it's, it. no it, it's a really, and that was gonna be my last question for you too. But I, I'll go first. When I watched all the edge players, and I watched probably ten of them before I went to the draft. How I did it before I went to the combine. How I did it because I don't have time to do full write ups on these guys. I just wanted to kind of get a feel for everybody before I showed up in Indy. So I watched all their good plays. Right. I watched every one of their sacks, quarterback hits, and pressures, and that's how I did it. Right. And when I did that, I'm sitting there. I'm like, how is Kayvon Thibodeau not the first player picked in this draft? Because if you look at all his great plays, they're high-level rush moves. It's length. It's bull rush. He gets around the edge. He spins. He has a little bit of everything. It's really impressive. But then when I start talking to people about him, they're like, yeah, well, we're not surprised that's what you thought when you watched all his good plays. Because if you're grading a guy off their best plays, he is the best guy in the draft class. Mm. The problem is that if you watch full games – or you watch him over a long period of time, it's the gaps between the really good plays that are problematic, right? So that's why people think he probably has the highest upside and ceiling because of the high level of those good plays. But at the same time, it's the stuff in between the really good flashes that I think have teams worried. So talking to people in Indy, I think there's a chance he drops a little bit, to be quite Mm. honest with you. I think... Hutchinson is a much safer player, but I, I don't think teams view him with a really super high upside because of his length and stuff like that. So I think that the two guys that I've, and, and I, and I think Hutchinson will be gone too. I think Hutchinson, Neela and Aquanu are the three guys that are not going to be there at five and seven. Okay. And then I think the giants, you know, will have a tough decision to make. Do you like Kayvon Thibodeau's upside? Um, do you like Trayvon Walker's, ability to develop into an edge player with his unbelievable testing. He's someone that almost played an interior offensive line position at Georgia. They didn't just put him on the edge and let him go. So there is a lot of projection there for him. And you're saying, well, John, you're picking a guy at five that you're projecting. Well, welcome to the 2022 NFL draft. That's what we got. 
All right. right. We don't have a bunch of safe blue chip players in this class. It's just not what it is. So, or do you like Jermaine Johnson, a guy that had to leave Georgia because their defensive line is so good right. and he goes to Florida state and dominates. And he does have really good pass, you know, pass rush edge moves and stuff on tape. It's good. And he's a good run defender too. So that's the, the question the giants are going to have to ask themselves at, at edge, right? Do you like Jermaine Johnson? Do you like Trayvon Walker? Do you like Kayvon Thibodeau? I think two of those guys, maybe all three will probably be on the board at five and they'll have to decide if they like one of those guys well enough to pick that. Or who knows? Maybe they like David Ajabo out of Michigan, who's young, is as yeah. new to the game, and he's got all the athleticism in the world. But I think the better question, and then you could do edge too, if Neil and Aquani were gone, mm. what do you think of Cross, Penning, and that next group of offense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, I know. See, Cross, uh, to me, it'd only be Cross to be the guy to be considered. Uh, I don't think Penning's a top seven talent. I really don't. I don't even think crosses, John. This, but this is just my opinion. Looking at him, I, I like him, but how much does Joe Shane, you know? And we'll see how much they like him. But John, just getting back to Thibodeau was pre- pretty funny. I, I watched a lot of him. I saw him obviously last year, Oregon, and all that, and I didn't quite see that. But obviously, I also don't watch sixty plus plays of, of everything on film with him. Okay, but that seems to be, and now obviously, John, you were at the combine, you were talking to people on the side. Um, that seems to be the buzz about him is that he takes plays off. I didn't quite see that, but I also did not see every play. Well, okay, and again, same here. Like, I didn't watch a right. bunch of full games, so I'm just going by what people right. are telling me. And, and, and even and, 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 and these are like media analysts, these aren't like front office people telling me this stuff. Either. Oh, okay. So, well, yes. unfortunately, John, that happens a lot with these kids that are in the combine, they kind of get this tag on them. Yeah. And that seems to be one on Thibodeau where he kind of takes place off. I didn't quite see that. But like I said, John, right. You know, even when I'm watching an Oregon game last fall, you know, I'm not focused totally on him. What every play. And of, of course not. Right, John. But that's what these scouts do. Um, so interesting if how, you know, but this kid Thibodeau, like you said, John, he loves that dip and rip move. He even has that half Dwight Freeney spin move. He does. You could put him on the three technique. He actually played well when he's on the three tech, you know, and to me, the kid's got a dynamic talent. Um, I want to know where that's coming from. Like, I hate that crap, John, with somebody, when a kid gets labeled, oh, he takes plays off, you know, and then it goes around the whole combine, like when you're at the combine, and now it goes before the draft. Oh, you might take some plays off that. I I don't, you know, I didn't quite see that, but like I said, I didn't see everything, John. I hate when people go label that, but it could be true. But we'll find out, you know, with Shane. But as far as Cross... Yeah, and the other thing, by the way, real, Chris, real quick, Chris, with Thibodeau, is that people... The other thing that you kind of hear, and I heard at the combine, again, this isn't from the Giants or, you know, their right. scouting staff or anything, just so right. fans know I'm not, you know, this is not from them. Right. What people say is that he almost feels like he has everything figured out already. Mm-hmm. So I think they wonder how well he's going to kind of take coaching to really, you know... Okay will he be able to reach that full potential, right? We know the full right. potential is there and it's, you know, way up here, but people listening on audio and putting my hand on my up in the air. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he get there, right? Is he, right. is as you know, Chris, you go to an NFL locker room. They're all unbelievable athletes. They're all great players, but yeah. what separates the great ones from the ones that don't reach that greatness isn't necessarily their athleticism and their tools. It's do they do everything it takes to get there? So I think that's the other question, too, that people have with Thibodeau, or at least that's what the general consensus seemed to be from the people I talked to out there at the combine. Yeah, John, and this is where you have to do your homework, brother. 
This is where you have to get you. Have That's to, why you have scouts, right? That's this why, is why you this have is something scouts. we can't figure out. This right. is why the NFL has professional scouts doing this stuff Absolutely. because we're just going off, you know, nonsense. But that, 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 oh, people are saying, people are saying this no. is the work that the scouts have to put. And this is exactly Chris what we're talking about when Joe Shane said at his opening press conference, "You don't miss on the player, you miss on the person." This Absolutely. is exactly what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. This is where you have to do that work. You have to talk to his defensive line coach. You have to talk to his high school coaches. You got to talk to everybody. You have to find everybody that's been associated with this young man. Okay. Cause I don't want to hear about a couple of guys saying, Oh yeah, you know, he took some plays off yep. and now he gets tagged with that. You know, uh, you know, so this is why scouts get paid, right, John, this is what you have to do. You have to find out everything about this kid. And yeah, it's amazing, John, because you think like, well, this is the NFL. I'm not talking about the Giants. I'm at everybody, all 32 teams, where you say, where people are like, well, this is an NFL team. Of course they do that. No, folks, guess what? You'd be surprised how many scouts and NFL teams don't do that much homework. They do a little bit, this and that, and they don't go talk. You have to go, you have to find out everything about this kid because he could possibly be your fifth pick overall, John. And when a kid gets tagged with that, oh, he takes some plays off. Obviously, they look at every snap. They do that. They look at every snap the kid's played, right? But I don't care, John. I don't care if you got to go back to his high school, whatever the hell. You talk to everybody and go, what is this crap about he takes plays off? Tell me about that. Oh, is he a diva? I mean, uh, you know, look, John, I even heard that. Hey, listen, this kid's got a little bit of a wide receiver type attitude about him on a defensive, on an edge player. He's a little bit of a diva. I even heard that. I'm like, okay, well, he's confident. The kid comes out and says, listen, I could do it. You know, that, you know, uh, to me, that doesn't really turn me off. Obviously taking plays off. If that was a fact, I don't know if that's, a, I, I don't, I didn't see that John, but you know, people maybe have, but obviously that's something that could turn you off. But Hey, John, this is why these guys have this job. You have to find out everything yeah. about this kid, brother, because he could be right there at five. Okay. He could be there at five. And, and I think why? he will be, Chris, to be honest with you. You think he will be, huh? I do. Right now, if I had to guess, I believe he will be, yes. So just quickly, John, um, you think the Jets go with a tackle? Uh, uh, so I'm thinking Hutchinson for the Jags, and tell me what your next three. I see. I disagree. I still think the Jaguars pick an offensive tackle. Okay. I, 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 think, uh, they're, I think they're in help the quarterback as much as you can mode, and I think they'd be foolish not to. Oh, um, okay, so that's so I, I, I still think they take a tackle. Yeah. I think Hutchinson is such a Dan Campbell type of guy. I don't see how he lets Dan Campbell out of that <laughs> right. building there. Right, he right. is that type of goal, a million miles an hour. He just seems like a Dan Campbell type of guy to me, right? Right. Uh, I would guess Houston trades Tunsil. They pick an offensive tackle. So I think those are the first three picks, and I think those mm -hmm. are probably the three safest players in the draft too. I could see the Jets taking Kyle Hamilton. That would not shock me. I uh, could see the Jets taking Trayvon Walker. That would not shock me. Right. Oh, how about a corner? Yeah, I could see them taking Sauce. That would not surprise me. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, John. And Joe, Shane, and Joe Shane has talked about this, too. We're taking the best player available on our board, mm -hmm. right? We're not, taking, we're not going to draft for need because that's where you get hurt. And Shane has said this, play, yep. play, right? Let me ask you this, John. And I've talked about this a lot. The Giants at five, right? The two tackles are gone. The edge, right? What if they have a Kyle Hamilton at fifth grade, best grade on their board? I put up on uh, cover three on Giants.com earlier in the week. Uh, yeah. The takeaways <laughs> from the combine. And basically what mm -hmm. I did is that these are the guys that I have in the mix for the Giants at number five. And just to show you what a weird draft it is, there were like 10 people there. 
And for mm-hmm. the fact that I'm still thinking about 10 different guys for the fifth pick in the draft is crazy. Like right. it shouldn't be that many guys. No, it shouldn't be that many guys. <laughs> it it yeah. just shows you how wild the draft is this year. And Hamilton is one of them. And I said, if he's sitting there, and again, I don't know what the Giants think about him. Yeah, we don't know that board. Yeah. If he is like their highest graded player, like right. pure grade on the board, and Wink Martindale likes to use his safeties in different ways. I know Xavier McKinney's there already. And I know Kyle Hamilton is not a guy you're going to line up in the slot to cover man on man and stuff. That's fine. Is that a possibility? If, if you know, and the other, and this will be my, the final point I'll make here, Chris. I feel like Joe Shane with his first two picks and Mike Tannenbaum kind of got me on this when I talked to him at the combine. And he said, when I was at the Jets my first year and I was trying to set a culture, right? I drafted two guys that were safe and I knew were the right type of people and guys that would, I could build my program with. He drafted Nick Mangold and he drafted DeBrickershaw Ferguson, two solid, really good players. Yep. Does Joe Shane take that same method here and say, well, I know in in a draft where, there are going to probably be half of the top 12, 15 picks. Chris are probably going to be quote unquote busts or guys that never make pro bowls. That's just the way this right. draft is. It's a very all over the place type of draft, right? So do you just pick the guy that, you know, even if it's not a premium position is going to be a good football player, just go there, mm-hmm. be happy. You got a good player and move on. Mm-hmm. That's something that Joe Shane might decide to do. I mean, hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made that known, you know, he's going to, he's, he's going to have, you know, the bet, the next one up is going to be the best, pl- the next guy they have on their board. We don't know their board, John. We don't, you know, we're not privileged to their board. Right. So uh, to, to sit here and speculate and go, Oh no, Shane will do this. No, we don't know their board. And that, you know, cause why I brought it up, John, is because a lot of people have asked me, Hey, Chris, you can't take a safety at five. You can't. Well, guess what? A lot of people have Kyle Hamilton, a five top five talent. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if those, like you said, if that scenario plays out, John, uh, you know, where the two tackles are gone and TB, whatever, you know, dude, is a kid like Kyle Hamilton in play because Joe Shane and his people have him the fifth best, the fifth grade. It, it could be is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is that yeah. it's very possible, you know, on the, number five on their board is a Kyle Hamilton. Chris, know? I'll just say this. God help us all what that Friday afternoon is going to be like if the Giants don't pick an offensive lineman at five and seven. We are going to be talking giant fans off the ledge until that Friday night of the draft, but it's not impossible given the way this draft looks and who might go on the top five. Yeah. That might exactly be what we're looking at here. And then you go draft a draft an offensive lineman at the top of the second round. Maybe you bring in a veteran in free agency or whatever. Like that's a legitimate possibility here. That would not fans would lose their minds. And maybe I'd be a little surprised, mm-hmm. but I would not be fall out of my chair shocked if we're looking at a pass rusher and a cornerback at five and seven, that would Thank not you. stop. Yeah. Me. Hey, John, look, it all depends too, John, how, how high they have Charles cross rated. Okay. That, 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 that's not a little bit of it. That's all of it. Thank you. And by so, the way, uh, Trevor Penning too, because some people have Trevor Penning as a top 10, 15 pick. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. So it, it all depends on what Joe Shane and his crew and his staff how they have Charles Cross, and like you said, even the Penning kid now, okay? That's creeping up in the board. How high do they have? So for Giant fans, right, say they do have Charles Cross, a top seven talent, right? Well, then they pick him. Then they pick him. Yeah. So like you just said, you're gonna have to, we're gonna all going to have to talk Giant fans off the ledge if they don't draft an offensive line. Because by the way, if they have seven, Charles Cross as the 18th best player in this draft, they <laughs> shouldn't pick him at five and seven. No. No, that's what people have to understand. Like, right. I'm talking. I'm addressing John because you just said you're gonna have to talk. We're all gonna have to talk giant fans off the ledge. 
because they don't take a kid at five uh, offensive lineman at five or seven, right? Okay. But where do they have Charles? If they have Charles Cross, a top seven, well, guess what, Giant fans? No matter what, we're going to get a, a tackle, right? No matter what. So, but if they have Cross at 13 or 14, well, I hate to tell you, Giant fans, but those two big boys are off the board, they're not going to draft an offensive lineman, right? I mean, and I don't think, yeah. I mean, unless they, unless they move Penning up that much, I don't, I don't feel Penning's a top seven type guy, t- guy talent, but yeah. I'm also not Joe Shane. I, you know, we don't know. I just don't see that happening, John. To me, it all depends. It all comes down to how high do they have Charles Cross? Because if they have him top seven, well, guess what, Giant fans? You're going to get somebody. You know, you're going to get somebody. So we'll see, buddy. That's what time will tell. Chris, this was a lot of fun. I was playing this going like 30, 45 minutes, but the conversation Holy was crap, so good. We went an hour. This was great. I loved we? it. Where are we? We're an hour in there, buddy. Yeah, I know. We rocked and rolled. Chris, <laughs> I'm looking before at my we phone. say goodbye, tell the folks where they can find everything with Giants Insider. All right. At, at, you just go to Twitter, too, at Giant Insider. Uh, and the podcast, the Giant Insider podcast uh, that me and Jerry Foley, a uh, senior editor, does. This time of year, once a week, we'll be going back to twice a week soon. And and you can subscribe to the newspaper, the Giant Insider newspaper. Thank you, John. Hey, John, we got to do this again, brother. It was a Absolutely, blast. man. This was fun, Chris. Good seeing you. Hopefully, we'll see you in a month down here at the facility. Right, brother? All right, man, man. I'll see you. Be good. Chris Busy Nano, we thank you for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you check it out again on the Giants app, giants.com slash podcast, and your favorite podcast platforms. We'll see you next time, everybody, on the Giants Huddle Podcast.